This episode is brought to you by Technasia Studios. Here at Studios, we craft compelling, thought-provoking content in partnership with leading brands and connect them to Technasia's audience of entrepreneurs, startup and tech professionals, investors, and corporate innovators. Or at least that's what it says in my job description. Visit techin.asia studios to learn more. Hello and welcome to another episode of Deep Dive here on Startup Snapshot, a Technesia podcast. My name's Nat, and this week, we're going to be talking about something less startup-centric. An investment fund closely linked to U.S. hip-hop mogul Jay-Z. Please welcome Jay-Z. I'm not a businessman, I'm a businessman, and I'm a businessman. Joining me in the studio with a story is Technasia reporter Jack Ellis. Jack, you recently wrote a bunch of articles about Arrive, Jay-Z's venture fund. Uh, how did you find this story? So I was doing something that most people would probably think is really boring, <laughs> which is um, going through lots of uh, regulatory documents and financial reports that had been filed with with the Singapore regulator. I was basically just doing some background research. But in the process of looking through these documents, I saw this new name come up that I wasn't familiar with, Arrive Opportunities Fund. Did a bit more background research, looked at US regulatory stuff, and realized that this mystery company shared an address with Rock Nation, which is um, which is Jay-Z's uh, music label and and entertainment agency. So it kind of it kind of went from there really. Right. So wh- what do we know about Arrive? Why did Rock Nation, an entertainment agency, start a venture arm? So they launched in 2017. And the reason that they did it was because they felt that there was an opportunity to use their expertise in the venture capital and startup ecosystem. So Rock Nation is a talent agency, a music label. They do a lot of kind of promotion work and um, marketing work. They felt they could take that knowledge and expertise that they had into the startup world. And I guess it is, there are a lot of similarities, right? If you're a VC, you're often often a big part of your job is promoting these startups, helping them to um, build a brand and, and spread the word and get more users. Right. And Jay-Z is no stranger to investing either. He's known to be one of Uber's early investors, for example. Early Uber investors include Jay-Z, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Leonardo Yeah, I think, I think that also you know, helped with the decision to set up Arrive was that they already had some background in in venture investing. Uh, As you said, Jay-Z, he was an early investor in Uber. I can't remember when he bought his stake, but I think he invested $2 million and today it's valued at $70 million, something like that. Apart from that, I know that he previously invested in a few other what you might group together as lifestyle startups. So um, I know he invested in a company that helped to sell spare seats on private jets. So like a kind of (laughs) private jet um, marketplace. Um, He also invested in a a, a sort of fashion luggage company. 
Yeah, and he he's made a few investments here and there before Rock Nation setup arrive. So is Arrive targeting the same kind of investments as Jay-Z previously? Like, are they primarily looking at these lifestyle startups? It's similar, really. So um, the way that they put it when, I, when I've spoken to them is they want to invest in startups that they feel their background in that, that kind of um, celebrity promotional marketing background. Startups that will really benefit from that kind of expertise. And that tends to be lifestyle-focused businesses that have already built a brand for themselves. And you see that in just in the investments that they have made in Southeast Asia, companies like Kopi Kanangan, that's a really, uh, you know, it's got a powerful brand. It's very popular with um, millennials and, and the kind of younger section of, of Indonesian society. Okay, but for a US-based investor to come into Southeast Asia like Arrive has, is that like, normal it's getting more normal there are one or two u.s firms that have been active in this part of the world for a few years um, but it's definitely that's definitely picking up pace when uh, i've spoken to arrive and some other north american uh, vcs about why they've picked southeast asia as their next regional focus they say it's because it's got a lot of the interesting demographic uh, features that you also see in markets like china and india um, and latterly in in the us as well by the year 2030 the consumer landscape will look very different with middleweights and not mega cities as the primary here in asia southeast asia is very important and we have a big focus in southeast asia to grow less than a decade from now more than half of indonesia's 240 million population will be categorized as middle class and affluent consumers or that's growing middle class with more disposable income basically more people have more money to spend on things that they choose to spend on rather than only having enough money to spend on everyday uh, essentials and staples and things like this and the population tends to be comparatively young so that is very compelling to these investors um, and they see a lot of opportunity here because of those reasons. And when was it that these investors, or at least Arrive, realized the potential of this region? Um, from what I, from what I've been told, uh, is um, they they kind of started uh, not long after they launched, probably in 2018. And I know that the the guy who runs Arrive, who's called uh, Neil Cerny, he came on a trip to Southeast Asia. Uh, met with lots of VCs in the region, lots of startups, entrepreneurs, tech folks. And he said he had this aha moment. All of those features that I just mentioned that make this market attractive to to, to um, these kinds of investors, he became aware of those. He saw the opportunity and uh, that's when they decided to start coming back here on regular trips and meeting with startups. And not long after, I think they must have begun to, to make their investments. And um, when we first started reporting this story, which is at the end of 2019, they'd already made three or four investments in the region. So tell me about this, Neil Cerny. Who is this guy that's behind Jay-Z's fund? <laughs> he uh, He's got quite an interesting background actually he was um he worked in the finance industry in new york so he has a background that's 
closely related to investment and, and banking and so on and so forth. He then moved into music management. So working with artists and in the course of that work, he kind of got in touch with Rock Nation. He, he worked with them uh, on that side of things. Eventually he joined Rock Nation. And I think because Jay-Z and the others saw that he had this financial expertise as well, he was appointed to kind of lead Arrive and set up Arrive's first fund. And how successful has the fund been? <laughs> it's... Uh, they're still early days, so I think to know how successful their investments have been is still going to take some time. As I said, Arrive launched in 2017 and they started as a, they actually started doing more like consulting work with startups before they actually set up a fund and started investing. Um, so yeah, still still early days for them. Um, as time goes on, we'll, we'll begin to see whether they've made some good choices and some good investments. Right. Okay. Now you wrote a little bit about this, but Arrive has a different investment strategy than what we usually hear about. Can you talk a little bit about how they're approaching potential investments? And is this actually something that's unique to their Southeast Asian investments? Sure. They, uh, that's their strategy in North America too. So they're not a, a huge fund. They've got a few limited partners. They're not out there kind of leading these funds and putting huge amounts of money into, into investments. They are there to join in with other, uh, team up with other investors and participate in, in rounds as a kind of, um, as a smaller participant in, in, in those rounds. Is there a reason for that? I think it's just because of the size of, of, the, of the fund. They're not looking to lead rounds, and then they're not—they're not ultimately a VC firm by itself. They're—they're they're kind of a the VC arm of Rock Nation. They're not necessarily looking for like the next big exit very quickly or anything like that. They're looking for long-term investments that fit well with what Rock Nation does. Okay, how how about in terms of like the maturity of potential portfolio companies? Do they target startups in specific funding stages? It's all across the board. It doesn't matter. They um, they will invest in everything from seed rounds up until later stages. I'm not entirely sure, but I'm sure that I know that they have invested in everything from seeds to Series C. I think. Right. So let's take a look at some of these startups that Arrive has invested in after. This word from our sponsors. Are you a leading brand? Do you want to reach Asia's tech community? Are you willing to pay reasonably for it? Look no further because Tech in Asia Studios has got you covered. We've worked with brands like Deloitte, Google, Visa, Salesforce, Grab, Justco, Line, WeChat, Singapore's Infocom Media Development Authority, Tomasic, and so many more to tell their stories, build events around them, and expand their network. But don't take it from me. Hear it from Jason Lin, startup ecosystem and partnerships lead at Deloitte's innovation team who said, Technasia is a great ecosystem partner in solidifying our innovation agenda across Southeast Asia. Through powering our flagship Deloitte Spark series, many meaningful conversations have kickstarted across the region. You're welcome, Jason, and thanks for putting in a good word. So, if you want to work with us, visit techin.asia/studios, fill out the contact us form at the bottom of the page, and we'll see where it goes from there. Now, back to the show. 
So, Jack, tell me about Arrive's portfolio companies. Who are these guys? You mentioned Kopi Kanangan, I think, uh, but who else is there? So, uh, yeah, Kopi Kanangan was the the only one that they publicly announced, actually. Um, this is, it's the only one that I remember getting a PR for. Um, but the other the other companies, they've, they've invested in four other companies in Southeast Asia, apart from Kopi Kanan. Those are uh, Zilingo, which is where we orig originally um, found this story. Any of you, do you really know how your clothes were made? Actually, we don't know. So uh, so that's where we come in. That's where Zilingo comes in. And, uh, a skincare e-commerce company here in Singapore called Yours. Beam Mobility, which is um, a micro mobility startup based here in Singapore, they have they run shared scooter schemes in in Australia, New Zealand, Malaysia, Taiwan, and then uh, Super, which is an Indonesian social commerce network that turns people in in more rural areas of Indonesia into kind of e-commerce agents, so they can group buy goods and then deliver them to to their customers locally. Right. So it does kind of look like there's no real target profile for the kind of companies that Arrive invests in? Again, it's I think it's the same as their North American investment strategy, which is startups or, and, and business ideas that are looking to tap that millennial group of potential customers who have some disposable income. I think that's the best investment. I heard Warren Buffett say that just the other day. And uh, I just innately felt that, you know, just invest in things that you understand. And generally, again, it's, it's focused on like lifestyle rather than um, they haven't made any uh, fintech or um, any other investments outside of that kind of lifestyle category so far. That's not to say they won't. I think they're pretty open to many different opportunities, but it tends to be this e-commerce retail related stuff. Okay. Now, it seems like they've only really invested in Singapore-based and Indonesia-based companies. Uh, do they have any plans for the rest of Southeast Asia? Uh, they are definitely looking wider than, than just those two countries. should say that uh, some of the, the, the startups they've already invested in are cross-border businesses, really, like um, Beam, as, as I mentioned. Yours is uh, sending their skincare products to all kinds of places. Uh, but they they have been focused on Indonesia and Singapore. They are looking at countries like Philippines, Vietnam as well, because those two countries are slightly behind the curve, perhaps, but catching up with Singapore and Indonesia in terms of uh, Indonesia in particular, in terms of having those customers with disposable income who want to, um, you know, buy nice things and. Right, so they started with the more kind of mature countries, but are planning to enter the emerging markets within the Southeast Asian region. Yeah, and you see that with uh, with most international investors who come to Southeast Asia, they tend to be the focusing on. Um, this is a general, quite a big generalization, but I think it holds true. They either tend to be focusing on Indonesia, which is by far the biggest market and has a fairly relatively mature kind of tech ecosystem, or they're focused on Singapore, which is the most developed market in the region, despite the fact that it's very small. But what we'll see, like what uh, Arrive have said they're doing, and I think we'll see this with other international investors, is much more focus on Vietnam, 
and the Philippines and markets like Malaysia as well, which I think have been considered a bit smaller. You, you, we're going to see much more, um, much more drive, much more capital going into those those markets. Will they be the first foreign or U.S. investor in those markets? No, some others um, are already in those markets for sure. And again, I think because Arrive is this is a smaller fund, and they're not looking to lead like lead massive investments, but participate, kind of tag on to investments made by bigger companies. That's how you'll see them enter, potentially with investors that are already active in those places. Quite a few of Arrive's investments have been done in rounds where firms like Sequoia are among the lead investors or the big name investors. So I think you'll, you'll continue to see that. Probably they'll like tag on to to those bigger investors and participate in some of those rounds in those countries. Right. So I guess the question is whether Arrive is here for the long haul. They say they're definitely here for the long term. They've picked Southeast Asia to be their second market, as it were, after North America. So that I think that says something about their intentions. Prior to, to making their first investments in Southeast Asia, they'd made quite a few in, in North America. Some of the well-known startups they backed there include a Robinhood, which is um, a fintech app. A few other well-known startups they've backed over there, Sweet Green, which is like a, a grab-and-go salad chain. After, do, after making those investments, they've picked this region to be their next focal point. And I think you'll see them uh, again making investments in very similar kind of businesses. Obviously, the demographics and the economics of this region are different, but you'll see them look at similar business ideas. And um, yeah, I definitely think they're here for the long term. They see it as a really compelling opportunity. Now, Arrive being quite a unique fund in this region, uh, do you think them coming here will have any impact or kind of ripple effects on the region's investment landscape? Yeah, I th in a way it already has because I, since we've we've run these stories, I've definitely had people asking about how to get in touch with Arrive, and uh, and I think it's that there is that X factor, right? Because it's uh, it's linked to Rock Nation, it's linked to Jay Z. Um, and that's exciting for the regional ecosystem to have these big name celebrities like getting involved in our tech ecosystem here in Southeast Asia. Okay, so it will kind of also put a spotlight on Southeast Asia as an innovation hotbed, so to speak. More than that, I think that, yeah, you, you're going to see more US VC firms getting involved here with celebrities in particular. Again, we've seen some more celebrity-linked funds investing in Southeast Asia. The Kopi Kanangan round that Arrive participated in. Another of the firms that joined was Serena Ventures, which is Serena Williams' VC firm. And it's this kind of carries on a trend we've seen in the US over the past few years where celebrities, movie stars, music stars, sports people have been getting involved in the VC ecosystem. And yeah, I'm sure we're going to see more of it in Southeast Asia as well. Right. So do you think Arrive's 
arrival will have any significant impact on the startup ecosystem in this region at large? Or are they just another VC to look at among the vast amount of VCs we already have? They are ju- they are another VC among the vast number of VCs that we have. Um, that, I, that's true of all of them, I guess. But the differentiating factor with them and probably some of those other entertainment celebrity linked investors is this you know the fact that they have this background in promotion and marketing that's going to be really helpful for certain types of startups depending on what vertical they're, they're in so yeah i think that's an interesting proposition that they're bringing to this this marketplace startups are always always need to think about which investors they work with and it's the same question with with arrive and jay-z right i guess Another question some people might have is that with the recent spotlight on SoftBank's, uh, for lack of a better phrase, investment woes because of the whole WeWork ordeal last year and uh, Oyo in India laying off a chunk of its staff, how is Arrive kind of learning from its fellow investors' losses? Arrive, uh, they say that sustainability is very important to them in their in their investments Um, and uh, as we said before it's a long-term play for sure now you will generally find that every investor says something similar but i think you can we can see with what's happened with the softbank vision fund is you know these are guys who had so much money and um, a lot of you know there was a lot riding on it there was a lot of like governments involved in in the fund and stuff so it's a very different world i think to what a smaller fund like arrive is is getting involved in Right. So as long as they're making sustainable moves, I guess we'll be hearing a lot more from them soon. Definitely. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining me, Jack. Thanks, Nat. It was good fun. For more stories like this one, visit techin.asia/sub, and you'll get access to all the latest in-depth news on the Asian tech and startup scene. Either that or just subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening from. If you like this episode of Deep Dive, or if you miss our raw interview format, let me know. I'm at podcast at techinasia.com. I'd love to hear from you. But that's all the time we have for today. Special thanks to Jack Ellis for joining me this week. Till next time, my name's Nat. See you in a couple weeks.